Hello, everybody. How you doing? Hope all is well. This is Prayer Rizopoulos. Welcome back to another episode of Shot of Philosophy. And today I'm excited. I had, I had this idea. I think it's going to be good. One of my favorite exercises I used to do with my students was to ask them in a paper, among a couple other exercises, to choose three mantras. So we define mantra as a short phrase or even one word that you carry with you through life, right? that carries meaning, that helps you lead a flourishing life, that helps you lead a eudaimonic life, a fulfilling life, a purposeful life, a more peaceful life, right? And elaborate on it. So they would choose three and elaborate on each. They'd use some philosophy to talk about not only the meaning of the mantra to them, of course, but also like the meaning of the mantra in their lives. So how they use it, right? This mantra creates peace. Here's why peace is more important. Here's how I'd use it to respond to, you know, externals going a certain way. And they talk about the importance of that, right? Or maybe it was about confidence. They talk about the importance of confidence for leading a flourishing life and how this mantra helps them in that regard. So I think mantras are really interesting. We've talked a little bit about Epictetus, I think, with his, I think, great notion of having things ready at hand. And the more we know ourselves, the more we can craft those things. And the more we craft those things and use them, we can then shape ourselves, which then creates a new self to come to know, right? So it's a very interesting sort of uh, tool in that process of self-development, of self-care, self-knowledge, and ultimately of philosophy, I think, right? So what I want to do with some of these episodes in the podcast, I've collected a lot of these mantras. Some of them have really spoken to me. And I also just like recently found a bunch of papers and that's weird, but I've I kind of like had the habit of keeping things. Um, I think maybe with the intention of doing something like this in the future, but I'm saying like papers from years ago. So of course I don't have the opportunity to, or didn't have the opportunity to hand back final papers, right? Um, you hand them at the end of the semester, I grade them, I would provide feedback, but ultimately to give the papers back wouldn't work sometimes. So I have all these papers and a number of them have these mantra exercises on them. So I'd like to share some things. I'm, I'm not going to mention any students by name, of course, but some mantras that have really stood out to me in future episodes in the podcast and explain them with philosophy. And I think it's hopefully going to inspire you to choose some mantras. I'll share some of my own in a moment. And I have one from a student that came to mind recently because I've been thinking about just why I'm doing the podcast and how it's been meaningful for me and just kind of unpacking the philosophy of it to an extent, right? So before we get to that, one of my favorite mantras I'll share right now is actually a Greek phrase that I heard my papu or grandfather say a lot. I always reference this when I talk about mantras. I think it's one that served me very well. And it comes from a family member who, you know, for me was profoundly philosophical in the way he lived his life and the way he loved the people around him, the way he served the people around him, and the way he also took care of himself. This was someone in his late 80s who, you know, even right up until he, he you know, his, he passed away, his passing, he would read every day and at least, well, I mean, yeah, he would read every day pretty much in English and in Greek. So reading was a constant thing with him. He ate healthy. He exercised a little bit every day until he physically couldn't. He prayed every day. He loved the people around him every day. So he had a very balanced life and a very philosophical life that I was fortunate enough to, you know, to observe. He was alive until I was in graduate school even. So I was an adult and I, I think that helped me understand him better. So he, he had a life that I really, to this day, admire. Um, and one of his phrases to me, because he knew me very well too, was in Greek, it's siga, siga which pretty much translates to little by little. And it's, it was always for me like, relax, like you're trying to do too much. 
I still struggle with that on a regular basis. I, I'm impatient. I put too much on my plate. I put too much pressure on myself and I put too much pressure on situations. And Siga Siga, when I think of it with him, it like reminds me of this loving reminder to be patient. So the importance of patience, I think, you know, I try to keep these episodes to 15 minutes, so I really can't even get into that right now. But patience is obviously such a virtue, right? Patience is, again, it's balance. It's not inaction, but it's also not this crazy pressure to constantly be doing and, and earning and whatever, right? So we need patience. I need to work on my patience. That mantra guides me there very nicely. So let me get now to the student, the first student mantra that I, I'm reminded of today. And it's a little bit different than what I just mentioned, but just to throw in my own example a little bit. This student quoted Walt Disney. I don't know much about Walt Disney. I know I enjoy watching Marvel movies on Disney+. Plus. That's the extent of my knowledge right now. Of course, I've seen other Disney movies, but to say I know about this person it would be an overstatement. I don't. But this quote, I think, is really interesting. They did a great job of explaining it, and I'm going to connect it a little bit to some Epictetus. So the quote is, to succeed, work hard, never give up, and above all, cherish a magnificent obsession. So magnificent obsession, that's a cool idea to me. That really speaks to me. Um, and the idea of cherishing the magnificent obsession is very powerful. So we want to cherish it and not be tortured by it because I think obsession too implies excess, but I want to take kind of a kind, benevolent interpretation of what Disney was trying to offer there. And I want to connect it to the following from Epictetus, right? So Epictetus told his students, quote, focus on your main duty. So that's how I want to think about obsession, right? Let's say obsession and main duty, just for the sake of this episode today, are kind of equal, right? If you have a main duty in life and you make it your magnificent obsession, I would argue you're going to be pretty good at fulfilling that duty. You're going to be pretty good at fulfilling that obligation. You're going to take that duty seriously. And if you cherish it, there's something good there, right? To, to cherish, again, is such a positive idea. If something's precious to you, you cherish it. We all should have things that are precious to us that we cherish, right? Look around you right now. There are good things in your life. Maybe you can cherish them more. Maybe you could be more dutiful to, to these things that you cherish. And these things can be things within yourself. These things could be physical objects even. And I think really importantly, these, these, uh, these ideas of, of what we cherish and what we find precious could be our relationships with other people. Right, those duties give our lives a sense of direction, and then that obsession. Maybe we could even decrease it a little bit, just to just linguistically to make it more palatable. Right, like to make it more understandable. Maybe it's adding a little bit of intensity. And again, I, I say that with such apprehension because I'm hearing myself. And if I was any more intense, I you know I don't even know. I don't even talk about that. But maybe some of us can benefit from that. Are you answering this call? to your main duty? Are you answering? Are you cultivating this sense of magnificent intensity? Even magnificent too is such a positive word. It's, there's like, it's beautiful, right? There's something to be said for someone who's passionate, right? Passion is important in life. Energy is important in life. So these are the other ideas I think that we can populate or we can use these ideas to populate a notion of a magnificent obsession to kind of ground it a little bit, to maybe not make it something that is excessive, but something that we can at times connect to and channel this energy in that direction positively, right? So he moves on or goes on, Epictetus, that is, to, to say the following too. There is a time and a place for diversion and amusement, 
but you should never allow them to override your true purposes. And maybe even that is a simple way of starting to understand what it means to have an obsession. The obsessions in life are the things that crowd out diversion. They're the things that we would sacrifice amusement for. Maybe another way to understand that, right? If you're on a voyage in the ship anchored in a harbor, you might go ashore for water and happen to pick up a shellfish or a plant, but be careful. Listen for the call of the captain. I love that, right? That's your calling. Try to have a calling in life. If you want to work on what that means for you, go look up Ikigai. It's a piece of Japanese philosophy. I may have mentioned it. Brief summary here. It'll ask you to think about what you love to do, what you're good at, what you can be paid for, and what you think the world needs. If I'm saying calling, you're like, what the hell is he talking about? If I'm talking about vocation and I'm saying it comes from the Latin word vocare, to call, and you're like, what the hell? Go sit with those questions. And if you answer them honestly and carefully, you'll start feeling a pull towards something. That's what the calling is. Right? Again, and if you have a magnificent obsession with your calling, that might be a beautiful thing. Keep your attention. This is back to Epictetus. Keep your attention directed at the ship. Getting distracted by trifles is the easiest thing in the world, I would add, especially now. Right? Should the captain call? you must be ready to have those distractions. I'm sorry, to leave those distractions and come running without even looking back. If you are old, do not go far from the ship or you might fall prey, or you, I'm sorry, you might fail to appear when you are called for. And that's why memento mori might also be a great idea. This, If you are old thing, you can replace that a little bit if you're not old with the idea that we're not here forever. If you really know you're not here forever, you're not going to waste time on nonsense, on distractions. That, I think, is someone who is magnificently obsessed. They know how to say no to distractions. They make time to pursue their calling. Making that time, back to Simone Vale again and again. I'm never going to stop that. Um, I love her quote with that. I think it's a beautiful idea. And you dedicate your time, your attention, your energy that's cherishing something. You don't cherish someone or something without giving them attention. Right? Love, right? To love and to cherish also very similar. So we can create rituals that are based on this notion of cherishing our magnificent obsession that connects, I think, in some way at least, to Epictetus's idea of focusing on the main duty. I hope this was helpful in some way. Work with Ikigai. Keep these ideas in mind try to figure out how you might become magnificently obsessed. It'll add value to your life. And as long as you keep a healthy relationship to that idea, I think it'll give you a lot of positivity, a lot of fulfillment. Pursue that. Thank you for listening. I'll talk to you soon. Take care.